0: Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Maylie came up to me this morning when I was in the office, and she asked me, she said, what are you preaching on today, Dad? And I said, I'm going to preach on rest. She goes, oh, really? I need to be in service so I can get a good nap today then. Yeah. Some of you feel that deeply. Some of you know exactly what she's talking about. Now we're gonna talk this morning about rest. I think one of the greatest diseases of our hour is restlessness. I think anxiety, constant burnout, the feeling of being overwhelmed is something that more people struggle with now in this generation than has ever struggled before. And that's why every now and then I've spoke on the subject of rest scattered throughout the years, but every now and then I feel just that nudge from the Holy Spirit to address the issue again. And, and as I was trying to uh, just pray and, and understand to hear the Holy Spirit, I felt one of those nudges again this week to talk about this subject of rest. Let's just pray this morning. Jesus, we honor you for your presence, Lord. God, I thank you for your presence in this room right now, Jesus. Father, that we don't have to wonder where you are because you are here. Father, I pray that today, as we talk about this subject of rest, that the restlessness that is stirring on the inside of us here this morning would be silenced and we would be able to walk in confident rest this morning. God, we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Rich Velodes, who is a pastor in New York City, he says this, and this just caught my attention. He says, in a world torn by rage and anxiety, one of the greatest gifts followers of Jesus are called to offer is simple, non-anxious, calm presence. Not presence removed from this reality, but hear this but a presence that refuses to be shaped by it. Sadly, the epidemic of restlessness and anxiety is as present in the body of Christ as it is in the world around us. So it's imperative that we learn how to be people of rest, not only for our own sake, but for the sake of those who have yet to meet Jesus. That when the world meets us, a world that is torn by rage and anxiety, when they encounter a lover of Jesus, they don't encounter more anxiety, but they encounter somebody who is at rest, whose peace can be transferred to them. So again, again, I think one of the greatest epidemics of our time is not cancer, it's not COVID. As real and as, as um, destructive as those things are, I think one of the greatest epidemics of our time is restlessness. And as sons and daughters of God, we have to learn how to be a people who is at rest in the middle of the greatest storms. In Hebrews chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, open up there with me this morning. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the writer of Hebrews tells us about the realm of confident rest. He uses the story of Israel's deliverance from Egypt and their wilderness wanderings as the backdrop to talk about this realm of rest. And so we're going to look at that here now in Hebrews. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 16. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. If you get there, if you're there now, give me a woot-woot this morning. Awesome. Awesome. If you're reading off the screen, give me a woot-woot. Okay. All right. That's good. That's why it's there. That's all right. It says this. It says, the same people, talking about Israel, the same people who were delivered from bondage and brought out of Egypt by Moses, were the ones who heard and still rebelled. They grieved God for 40 years by sinning in their unbelief until they dropped dead in the desert. I love that line. It makes me chuckle every time. They sinned for 40 years until they eventually just dropped dead. (laughs) So God swore an oath that they would never enter into his calming place of rest, all because they disobeyed him. It is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Israel, who was captive to Egypt, watched God miraculously deliver them from their bondage. They watched as God sent the plagues upon Egypt and kept them from harm. They watched as the Red Sea parted in front of them and they walked across on dry ground and then they watched as they all entered in to the other side to uh, on the other side of the Red Sea they watched as their enemy pursued them and God drowned their enemy behind them they watched all of these miraculous signs and wonders of God taking care of them and setting them completely free and then the Bible tells us that at one point they're wandering in the desert just a few days after they're set free from their captivity and they 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 are lacking water in the desert that's a problem right they're lacking water and the Bible tells us their response they immediately start complaining they immediately start complaining and walking in unbelief desiring to go back to their place of slavery They just watched God do all of these incredible, miraculous signs, wonders, miracles literally just days before. And their response to an inconvenience was unbelief. Their response to an inconvenience was unbelief. In a moment of inconvenience, they begin questioning. Listen to this. They begin questioning the love and care of their father. We're out of water. What are we going to do? I don't know. I mean, he parted the Red Sea. I bet you he's not just going to leave us hanging now, right? But in, in a moment of inconvenience, they begin questioning the love and the care of their father. The root, listen to this, the root of Israel's restlessness was unbelief. Israel, if you read throughout the Old Testament, Israel's, Israel would go from these places of incredible encounters with God immediately to a place of being restless, of unsure if God is going to provide, if unsure if God is going to come through. The root of Israel's restlessness was their unbelief in the Father, that every time they came into a crossroads Where things weren't looking as good as they were a moment ago, a place of inconvenience, they immediately, without hesitation, begin questioning the love and the care of their father. Israel's root of restlessness was unbelief. Do you know what unbelief means? It's the word apistia, and it means refusing to trust. Refusing to trust. The root of Israel's restlessness was unbelief, but the root of unbelief is the lack of trust. I believe that when all the dust settles, our inability to enter into rest is directly connected with our inability to trust. It's directly connected with our inability to trust. Oh, it's easy to say, church, it's easy to say all things work together for good to those that are in Christ Jesus. It's a whole nother thing to walk in that. It's easy to sing songs, God, you're never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let me down. You're never going to let me down. But the moment we enter into a situation that is hard, that is difficult, where we can't see God's hand in it, all of a sudden it's, God, are you ever, are you, are you going to let me down, right? It's easy to sing the songs. It's easy to quote the verses. But when rubber meets the road, the question comes, do you trust him or not? Do you really believe that all things work together for good to those that are in Christ Jesus. Because if you did, would the anxiety that's raging on the inside of you be there? The root of Israel's restlessness was unbelief. The root of unbelief is lack of trust. I believe that the root of our anxiety, the root of our restlessness is trust. A lack of trust. Now Israel, they come out of bondage, they cross the Red Sea, they're in the wilderness, they walk a few days, and eventually they're standing at the edge of their promised land. They're standing right there on the border, ready to walk in. You all know the story, what happens Moses sends spies into the land. The spies come back. Of all of the spies that went into the land, there was two of them said, the land is ripe for the harvest. Let's go. Let's take it. The rest of them will come back, and they're, they're afraid of the giants in the land. What did they say? They say, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And what else did they say? And in ours. Not only do we look like grasshoppers to them, but we look like grasshoppers to ourselves. You see, part of Israel's unbelief was not just that God couldn't provide or come through for them. Part of their unbelief was who they were in Christ. They believed they were grasshoppers, not sons and daughters. And that is just a piece of our restlessness as well, is we have a hard time seeing ourselves as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We may hear the words, but to actually trust the word of the Father that says you are sons and daughters of God, that you are dearly loved by the Father, that you are loved with the same measure and statue of love that the Father loves the Son with, it's easy to hear the words, but to actually believe and to walk in it is a whole nother story. It's a whole nother story. So they were standing at the edge of their promise, ready to go in. But because of fear and unbelief, because they didn't believe Yahweh would deliver them from the giants or that He would deliver the giants into their hands, they were unable to go into the land that was promised them. It's important to note this here Israel's problem wasn't salvation it was rest. Israel walked in freedom for 40 years in the desert. You realize that when they were in the desert, they weren't slaves. They had come out of Egypt. God had delivered them. He had saved them from their bondage. Israel's problem wasn't salvation. Israel's problem was rest. They walked in freedom for 40 years, but it was 40 years of toil and work and restlessness, unable to have a place called home. Walking aimlessly for 40 years. For 40 years, they walked in circles in the wilderness, grumbling and complaining until they just died. It's a little bit funny to hear but it's really not funny at all. Amen. (laughs) Not sure what that was. Andrew looks looks just as surprised as all of us back there. They walked for 40 years in the wilderness, saved. They weren't slaves, but they were restless for 40 years. Complaining, grumbling, walking in circles. Out of bondage, but not in home. have Had no place to call home. How many Christians are saved, going to heaven, but wandering aimlessly in the wilderness? Oh, we we've been delivered from our sins we've been set free but we've been unable to enter into a place called rest we've been unable to enter into a place called rest and sadly there's so many christians who walk their entire life saved but restless Not slaves anymore to sin, but not stepping in to our inheritance of rest. Verse 19, I'm sorry, not 19. Yeah, verse 19. It says, it is clear that they could not enter into, listen to this, their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. Deliverance from Egypt wasn't Israel's inheritance. It was a necessary means for Israel to step into their inheritance, which was the promised land of rest. Salvation is not the believers inheritance. Salvation As incredible, and believe me, I am not downplaying our salvation in Jesus. That Jesus has set us free from our bondage to slavery. But there's so many believers who stop right there and wander in circles. Your inheritance isn't salvation. Your inheritance is entering into a place called rest. Again, it is clear that they could not enter into their inheritance because they wrapped their hearts in unbelief. God did not, or Jesus did not die just so that we could not be slaves wandering in a wilderness for the rest of our lives. He died so that we could enter into a place called rest. Many believers have stepped out, but few have stepped in. In Moses' time, Israel, almost that entire generation that stepped out of Egypt, who stepped out of slavery, who had been saved, had, had experienced salvation from their captivity, almost the entire generation knew how to step out, but they didn't know how to step in. And there's many, again, many believers today who know and have stepped out but we have yet to step into our inherited place called rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1 says this. It says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of, of that promise, and not fail to experience it. I love that word experience there. That faith is not doctrine. It's not just belief. Faith is an experience. There's a lot of people who believe or have doctrine, but they've yet to experience faith in its fullness. So promise Uh, And not fail to experience it. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. We have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did. Yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard did not affect them deeply. For they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. Faith activates the, pro- the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. How do we enter into this place of rest? That's the question, isn't it? Again, a lot of us have doctrine. We know that we are to be in a place of rest. We know that we're to be uh, people of a calm presence, without anxiety, without fear, without all of these things. We know that, but actually, how do we step into that? How do we step into the promise? It tells us right here. How do we step into the promise? Faith. Faith. Faith activates the promise and we experience the realm of confident rest. What is faith? Certainty. Dependability. Trust. That's the definition of faith. Certainty, dependability, and trust. If unbelief is a lack of trust, faith is fullness of trust. Faith is fullness of trust. How do we get to a place of rest where Paul the Apostle was when he says, None of these things move me? You remember that in Acts chapter 20? He says, None of these things. You know what the context of that is? He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And listen, even God is telling him that when you get to Jerusalem, you will be met with chains and tribulation. It it says that. Paul, Paul says that right there. He says, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit tells me that when I get to Jerusalem, I will be met with chains and tribulation. Yet there is something drawing me to that place. And then he goes on and he says, "Yet yeah, listen, none of those things even move me. Paul, you're more than likely going to be facing the death penalty. None of these things move me. How do we get to a place of such rest where facing death doesn't even move me? Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three Hebrew boys who refuse to bow to the idol. They're standing in front of the fiery furnace. And what do they say? It's a good question. (laughs) They say, my God will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, I won't serve your other, your God's. How do you get to a place of such rest that you're standing in front of the fire and it doesn't move you? It doesn't move you. Trust. Faith. They trusted in the care and the wisdom and the love of their father. How do we overcome restlessness? Trust. How do I not lose sleep at night over the situation that I'm in? Trust. How do I not live in constant worry over all the things that need to be done? And there is a never ending list of things that need to be done. How do you overcome that anxiety? Trust. How do you not freak out over money and the bills that are coming in and the things happening in your financial life? Trust. How do I face the impossible giants in the land in front of me? Trust, trust that God works all things for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. That if he promised me the land, then the giants in the land aren't going to be a problem. Trust in the care and the love and the comfort of your heavenly father. Matthew 6 says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap or nor store in their barns. Yet the Lord feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? Consider the lilies of the field. How they're dressed in splendor and beauty. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed as one of these. How much more will your father take care of you? How do we overcome anxiety? How do we overcome restlessness? Trust. That even if I can't see the end result, I know I'm going to be fine because I trust my heavenly Father who does see the end from the beginning. How do I step into that land of rest? Trust. Now you might be thinking, is it really that easy? Is that all it takes To walk in rest. Yeah. It is. Because again, it says, faith activates the promise. And we experience the realm of confident rest. Our level of rest is directly connected to our level of trust. Let me say that one more time. Our level of rest is directly connected to our level of trust. It's religion that makes it hard. Right? It's religion that makes it hard. Damon Thompson says this, religion only has one message, try harder. Religion only has one message, try harder. Are you falling into sin? Try harder not to right? Get the apps on your phone if you need to. Get an accountability partner. You know, do whatever you have to do. Try harder not to fall into sin. What is the kingdom's message? If religion's message is try harder, the kingdom's message is stop trying so hard. Grace. Grace. How do you move into rest? You step into it. One of the, uh, when I was in Little League and playing baseball, one of the worst things that happened to me was I hit a home run. Does anybody in the room know why that was one of the worst things that happened to me? Anybody? Because <laughs> I never hit another one. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <Papaw. laughs> he said, because you never hit another one. That's not true. some of you said it, it was the worst thing that happened because then every other time I got up to bat, you know what was in my head? I gotta hit another home run. So what happened? I started swinging as hard as I possibly could. What happens, all of you baseball players, when you go up there and you just swing as hard as you possibly can? All of your technique goes out the window, right? Your, your step is off, you're pulling your head so you're not seeing the ball, right? Your, your bat is all over the place, right? Everything goes out the window. You know what happened to me the rest of the year? You're right, Papa. I ended up striking out most of the rest of the season. Because every time I went up there, what did I do? I tried as hard as I possibly could to put that ball over the fence again. This is religion's message, try harder. What happens when you just keep toiling and trying? You end up striking out. You end up striking out every time. That's why the kingdom's message is not try harder. The kingdom's message is stop trying so hard. All you have to do is trust. 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 What, is that? what does that mean? To walk into rest, it means to trust. The word rest literally means to cease from work. Jesus is telling us here to step into a place of rest where we are seizing from work. Now listen, I have to say this because there's some people who will hear this and think, awesome, so I guess I'm going to live on, live, just do, not, not work for the rest of my life, right? Jesus told me to rest, so I'm going to stay home in my PJs, right? With my, my Tasmanian devil slippers, in my robe, and I'm going to play video games all day because Jesus told me to rest. That's not rest. That's called being a sluggard, which the Bible says is disgusting. It says something different, but that's the word that came to my mind when I heard it. <laughs> Call, the Bible calls that being a sluggard. He's not telling you not to do anything, right? He's not saying, he's not saying in that to cease from work is to cease from activity, right? It's Learning how to cease from our own works to enter into rest. Religion's message is try harder. The kingdom's is stop trying so hard. Why do we have to stop trying? In the kingdom, rest is not something that's earned. It's an inheritance. Church, listen to that this morning. In the kingdom, rest is not something that you can work hard enough to earn. Just like salvation is not something you can work hard enough to earn. Rest is an inheritance. We tend to believe, especially in rural America, rural Indiana where we're at, we tend to believe that we don't deserve to rest until we are exhausted. Don't we? We don't deserve rest until we have worked our fingers to the bones. We don't deserve to rest until we have toiled all day long. But in reality, once again, we can't earn rest because it's an inheritance. Rest is not a reward for hard work, but a gift of God's grace. It's a gift of his grace. I love Brendan Manning. He says this. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn or deserve it. My deepest awareness of myself is not my failures. It's not my sins. It's not the things that hold me back. It's not my hard work. My deepest awareness of myself is that I am dearly loved by Jesus and I've done nothing to earn it or deserve it. You can't earn rest in the kingdom. You inherit rest. It's yours to step into. It's yours to walk in. Rest is not a reward, it's an inheritance. And listen to this, it's an inheritance that you activate. It's an inheritance that you activate. This is so good. Let me me show you here in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. Go ahead and jump down to verse 8. It says, now if this promise of rest was fulfilled when Joshua brought the people into the land, God wouldn't have spoken later of another rest yet to come. So we conclude that there is still a full and complete rest waiting for believers to experience. There's that word experience again. As we enter into God's faith rest life, we, I love that language. Faith rest life. Not moment, not season. Faith rest life. Every season of life. As we enter into God's faith-rest life, we cease from our own works. There it is. What is rest? It's ceasing from our own works. Just as God celebrates His finished works and rests in them, so then we must give all our so we must give our all and be eager to experience this faith-rest life, so that no one falls short by following the same pattern of doubt and unbelief. And I'm actually read the complete wrong passage here. That's saved for the end. Let me read you the one I meant to read. <laughs> I meant to read verse chapter six and seven. Let's read those. I was wondering where my point was there as I was reading that. I was like, man, what, what did I write this down for? Let me jump back real quick. So those who first heard the good news of deliverance failed to enter into the realm of faith's rest because of their unbelieving hearts. Yet the fact remains that we still have the opportunity to, To enter into the faith rest life and experience the fulfillment of the promise. For God still has ordained a day for us to enter into called today. Called today. Rest is available to you today. And here's the crazy part it's not God's decision when you walk into rest, it's yours. God has not set an ordained time where they're going to go through this and that's going to push them into this, to this place of rest. No, no, no. It's an inheritance. It's available to you now. What does the scripture say? The opportunity for rest is there. I have, even, even though Israel didn't enter into that then, he has created another day for you to enter in. When is that day? Today. And if you don't enter into it today, guess what? Tomorrow's going to be today. And if you don't enter it into that day, the next day is going to be today. Your entrance into rest is dependent upon your decision to walk in trust. You get to decide when you step into this place called the faith, rest, life. It's your decision. God has made the opportunity available. Faith, which is trust, activates the promise, when is that promise available to us? Today, right now, every moment. When we come to the border of the promised land and see the giants in the land, guess what? Rest is available to us then, just as much as it is when we walk through the Red Sea on our way out of Egypt. We decide when we walk into the inheritance. It's available today. We already read verse 8 through 11 so I won't read it again that was I got ahead of myself there a little bit Ceasing from work doesn't mean becoming a sloth it means stop swinging the bat so darn hard and just trust Stop striving and believe if he said it he will do it I was reading a book this week from Brendan Manning who's one of my favorite authors and he said something along these lines. I didn't write the quote down, but something along these lines. It says, "Perhaps the greatest, perhaps the greatest way a Christian walks their faith out, is trusting in the dependability of God. That He is dependable. How do we walk in the rest? We trust the dependability of our Father." I'll end with this thought here. You can't think about rest without thinking about the beginning. That when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible tells us that in the six days of creation, that he created the firmament, he created the ground, he created animals, and he created the birds of the air, and he created humans in his image. And then what does it say after the six days were over? It says on the seventh day, God did what? Rested. God rested. This this thought has begun to change my idea, my thought process of what rest even looks like. What is even rest? Did God rest on the seventh day because he was exhausted? Man, that was a lot of work. I think I'm going to take the day off. Why did God rest on the seventh day? God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was exhausted. He rested on the seventh day because he was delighted. He was delighted in his creation. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work, his toil. He laid it all down, not because he was tired, because he looked at it and said, man, this is very good. This is good. And God rested not because he was tired or exhausted. He rested because he was delighted. Rest in the kingdom, the realm of rest that God lives in and has invited us into as sons and daughters is not just a lack of striving and stress. How many of you are like me? When you think of rest, that's what you think of. About every night, about 8 o'clock, we put our kids to bed. And Amber and I look at each other. We sit on the couch. We grab our blankets. I grab the ottoman, pull it over, prop my feet up. And it's like our favorite part of the day, right? In my head, that's rest, right? I'm tired. Uh, my, my brain is mush, right? <laughs> I'm ready to just veg out and watch the TV because I am exhausted, I'm ready to rest. That's not rest in the kingdom. That's not God's version of rest. Rest in the kingdom is delight. Rest in the kingdom is delight. Why does that change things? Because that means you can be in the middle of a difficult situation, or you can be working, right? You can be working and tired physically, but still be at rest, because rest is not uh, ceasing and, and not, I'm sorry, rest is not lack of work because of exhaustion. Rest is delight. That the fullness of rest is walking in the delight of your Father. That God, I can go through this situation, and yeah, it's difficult, it's hard, it stinks at times, but I can walk in rest. I can walk in delight because I trust you. I trust you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.